everybody. We, we, our little video's not playing this morning, so you've got me straight away, which is, which is nearly as good, isn't it, as a, as a little mini video? I think it is. Um, just to uh, perhaps state the blindingly obvious, I would be uh, a little bit surprised if a, a large number of us in this room in Oasis Church aren't really aware of what uh, has been shaping us as a church throughout the whole of 2014, which is our pause, centre and continue phrase. Uh, that's been something that we think God has spoke to us at the beginning of the year and we've been speaking about it all through the year. Even if you're recently with us, you'll have heard uh, many people probably spouting it in various different places. Never an hour seems to go. Um, so uh, we like little phrases like that in Oasis Church. We've uh, had a number over the years. A couple of years ago we had one called Enjoying the Journey. Uh, where we were in a series in Joseph, and then uh, a couple of years before that we did Daniel and Esther, where we had this little catchphrase called Everything Changes. And uh, the reason I'm saying it is that there is a danger as you use something like a catchphrase or some words together for a long period of time that you end up running out of juice for enthusiasm for them. So they potentially could become a little bit like you know, a worship song that we really, really love. And we, we always sing it and we get into the presence of God when we sing it. And we think, this is wonderful, this is glorious, this is beautiful. And then we end up singing it so much that something that we really loved, we end up really unloving, hating almost. And there's a danger with Paul's centre and continue that our over-familiarity and our overuse with it might take out the power of it to us. And I just want to check us if we're getting to that place towards the end of the year. We're thinking, oh, I've heard enough of Paul's centre and continue. Because I want us as a church and we want us as a team to be thankful for this phrase, to be thankful for these memorable phrases that God gives us. Because he has gives us, given us little landmark phrases across the course of our history that helps us to remember the things that he wants us to remember. And in the fast-paced world in which we live, and we know we've got 101 miles an hour paced lives in our, in our world today, we so often forgive, forget so much. And yet God has given us these phrases, everything changes. God has given us these phrases, enjoy the journey. God has given us pause, centre and continue. God has given us loving God, loving people, in order to help us remember what he wants us to remember. So let's carry on being thankful for them, rather than have any sense of thinking, I wish it would go away and we could move on to something else. And on that basis, therefore, we are in our final series of the year around the pause, centre and continue framework and it's called the Centred Playlist and it's a, it's a series that we've uh, introduced in order to help us really get to grips with how we apply those three words in our lives, how we apply them in our lives, what it means to pause, to actually stop and take stock in whatever part of life we're in or any, any part of the day, just stop for a minute and just think, oh, what's going on in my world? But not just stop for stopping's sake, centre, centre on God. Focus and it is, but in our daily life, when we're struggling with whatever we might be struggling with, to stop at that point and centre on God and think, man, God is still wonderful and the presence of God is still with me. And then from that point, as we know, continue looking to apply that. And that's why we call it the Centred Playlist. And this, all this teaching, I heard someone uh, say recently, is simple but not simplistic. Simple but not simplistic. And I thought, I really like that. It's very true. It's a very, very simple message, but to actually apply it, is not simplistic at all. So we want to carry on in the Centred Playlist. And there are three tracks to the Centred Playlist. There's Loving God, which we've, uh, we've heard about a few weeks ago, Loving the World, and Loving Home, which is the church. And today in the Centred Playlist, we're on track two, part two, which is Loving the World. Loving the World. And if you're wondering what Janie's doing over here, I'm going to tell you in a minute. 
Uh, but for the moment, just a quick recap, um, which is two weeks ago when we were on the second part of Loving God, Adrian introduced us to what he would describe as mirror living. Mirror living. And he had that mirror prop that he used a couple of weeks running, uh, where he taught us around what it means to be who we are by the grace of God. We are who we are by the grace of God. And the glorious riches that come along with being who we are by the grace of God. And those glorious riches are things like forgiveness, freedom from guilt, being accepted as sons and daughters in God's family, being loved forever and ever and ever and ever, receiving joy, receiving peace, knowing justice, those kind of riches from heaven, a portfolio of grace, if you will. And Adrian encourages us, the more we dwell on those things, the more we'll think, man, our identity in God is wonderful. Let's get out there and share the good news as much as we can. Mirror living. Don't let anybody tell you you're not a child of God. Don't let anybody tell you you're not loved. Don't let anybody tell you you're not forgiven or accepted because you are. And the more we get that, the better it will be in terms of our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. That's mirror living. And then last week, in the first part of loving the world, Adrian moved it on to a canvas, a blank canvas. And he pointed us through the work of Jesus, reconciling all things to himself through his life, death, and resurrection, to a city in the culmination of history where God is going to dwell. A city where there is no more pain, where there's no more suffering, where there's no more division, where there's no more illness, where there's no more death. All the sorts of things that, if we're honest, we love in the world in which we're in today. And that city is a certain promise of something that's yet to come when Jesus finally comes and restores all things to himself. That is coming. It's going to be a city where there are people. The people are going to be us, followers of Jesus. And in that city, there's going to be safety, there's going to be beauty, there's going to be comfort, there's going to be love and peace and joy. What a great city to look forward to. It's a city that's earthed because it's got real people in it like you and me. God is there and everything's restored to beauty and wonder and life. And Adrian was basically saying to us, that's an amazing thing, a city to look forward to, but it's a city that's, yes, in the future, a certain promise, but it's something we can actually bring in now as well. And we have an opportunity for whoever, wherever we are in life, whatever job we do, or whether we're looking for a job, or whether we're at home with the kids or whatever, we can bring light and life, colour to the canvas in our world to bring in that city now. Amen. Which is why I've asked Janie to help us this morning in a visual way to demonstrate what it means just to bring light, life, and color to the canvas. There she is, serving us in this way. Now, the truth of the matter is, you'll probably be way more interested in seeing what she's going to create this morning than listening to me. I know that I really enjoy watching Janie paint at home. I've always enjoyed watching painters paint, so I don't really mind if you get distracted, to be honest with you, because some of you will visually connect with that, and that's, you'll remember that and think, yeah, color on the canvas. That's what I'm going to be for the rest of this week and for the rest of my days, and that's fine. I am going to keep going, but by all means, watch and see what she does. In, in, just, to in, encourage, just to encourage us, though, as a whole, I want us to really encourage Janie. Because we're, as you may have spotted, we're trying to take some things that we learned at the weekend last week with Wendy Mann uh, into our church life. We're trying to apply them as a leadership team and bring them in. We don't just want conference for conference sake and uh, like a little bit of a hype and then that's it. And one of the things that Brent, Wendy brought with her was an artist who did some painting during our sessions. It's not everybody's cup of tea, that's fine, but it is a lot of people's cup of tea. And God can work through the arts. And this is a visual representation of that. Janie, when she does an abstract, it normally works it flat. She spends hours building and building and building. She's a little bit nervous about expectations. She's a little bit nervous about what it's going to look like. But she's serving us today in order to help this message have more punch. So whether you like it or not, just tell her at the end that she's wonderful. And... 
And as I said to her, again applying last week's teaching from Wendy Mann, God in heaven thinks this is wonderful. Whatever we think. So that's the amazing thing. He also thinks this message that I've prepared this morning is absolutely wonderful as well. So we, can't, we cannot but win this morning in the presence of God. This morning's message then, there is one. <laughs> it's very simple though. Last week, the theology, if you like, of bringing in the new city, we are going to learn the how, because the city's yet to come, but we play our part in it becoming. So it's all about the how, and we're going to look at two things this morning to help us learn about the how, which again are very simple things, but not simplistic things. And those two things are mustard seeds and yeast. Mustard seeds and yeast. Let's read some words from Jesus from the Bible, and then see if we can unpack it very, very simply. Matthew 13 31 to 33. Jesus told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven was well, like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, oh, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and, and mixed into about 30 kilograms. I love this teaching from Jesus because it's blindingly simple, as you'll see. Blindingly simple. This, these two illustrations of the kingdom of God are about these two simple things. Little things Jesus was teaching about in these passages and in a nutshell, that's what we're going to be learning about today in terms of how to bring in the kingdom of God. We're going to learn about little things and about mixing in. So let's take the mustard seed first. Those words again. Kingdom of heaven like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds come and perch in its branches. Let's start with, it's very small, as tried to be depicted by that photograph there on the screen. Cynics, when they read this passage from the Bible, immediately get on their high horse and say, ah, oh, yes, now we've got an opportunity now to completely pull the rug from underneath Jesus' feet. Because Jesus is supposed to be a man who always spoke the truth. And Jesus is God, so he never gets anything wrong. And here he is saying that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. But hey, Jesus obviously didn't know that the seed of an orchid is so tiny, it's like a speck of dust, you can hardly even see it. So surely if Jesus was using the right illustration here, he would have said that a, plant, a, a farmer would have planted an orchid seed, because that's really the smallest of all seeds. And therefore, if Jesus has got that bit wrong, then why can we believe Jesus about anything? Because if Jesus gets something so fun fundamentally that wrong as that, then why do we believe anything he says about anything that's bigger than that? That's what cynics will say, and cynics do say that. And theologians, therefore, have to have to stop and work out what Jesus was saying at this point. I want to say in brackets with a degree of reverence to all the theologians that do this, because it actually does help me, is like, what a waste of time talking about the pernickety detail of what Jesus was saying rather than the big messages we come to in a minute. But hey, we can still look at this and say, all right, well, let's, let's find out the answer to the cynic's question. The first thing to say is this, that in Jesus' day, a mustard seed, a black mustard seed in first century Palestine was the smallest seed, that any Palestinian farmer would have actually planted in his field. It's the, only, it's the smallest seed he would actually wanted to plant at all in the agricultural world in which they did. They didn't grow orchids, but they did want to grow mustard. 
So on that basis alone, it was the smallest of all seeds to the audience that he was talking to. So that's the first thing, and and we're already thinking, oh, that's all right then. We can believe Jesus all of a sudden, which of course we can anyway. The second thing to say is even if you don't believe that one, we do know in life that we use that kind of language not just to say something is necessarily the smallest of all, but just it's really, really small. So a number of, uh, uh, of women in the, in the church over the last few months have had babies, and we celebrate that, that fact entirely. Can you imagine one of them coming through the door, cutesy little baby, me going up to them and saying, Oh, is he a little cutesy little thing? What's his name? And we get the name of the baby. Oh, little Joey. Gee, he's so cute, aren't you? And man, he's got the tiniest of hands, hasn't he? Now, I'm not saying weirdo baby. Look at the size of those hands. They're like a pinprick hand. I've never seen any hand smaller than that baby's hand in the whole of my life, and there's a problem here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's a small hand. That's right, isn't it? We do that, don't we? Oh, he's got the smallest of hands. And Jesus, when he's saying this, if you don't like the agricultural illustration, take this one. He's saying it's the smallest of all seeds. Smallest is just small, okay? So let's not, let's not get, throw the baby out with the bathwater, to use that expression. Let's concentrate on the bigger picture. Oh, yes, but cynics say... You might be able to argue that one away, but what about the mustard plant itself? I mean, and does it grow into the size of a tree? And if it did, does a bird come and perch in its branches and build its nest? Cynics will say that. To which I say, oh dear, here we go again, right? Largest of all plants, it just means large. I've given you the illustration in terms of small. It works the same in terms of large. So we can part that one. And it's true to say that a mustard plant with this black mustard seed in first century Palestine will grow to somewhere between 12 feet, and three and a half metres or something, minimum size. So, you know, sort of size of this ceiling, if not higher. Now, you may say that's not a tree, but it's tall enough to look like a small tree for me, and the branches of the mustard plant are certainly strong enough enabled to be able to take the weight of a nest should an inquiring bird that come along really want to find its home in that particular plant. Now, I've told you all that. It's got really nothing to do with the essence of the message of this preach, I know. But it helps us be armed when we come to the Bible and look at things. Now, on the one hand, there's a blatantly simple message here, as I've, uh, I've told you and we're about to hear more of. But it helps us be armed, as men and women who love God, when people ask questions of us to be well armed and able to present Jesus to them without them getting distracted on little detail. So I've given you that as a freebie. The key message is the whole point of the parable. And when Jesus tells a parable, that's always the whole point. It's the point of the whole. It's not necessarily the point of the detail. It's what message are you trying to hit us with, with that particular parable, with that particular illustration. And the point of this parable is that little things matter and can make a huge difference. That's the point of the parable. Little things matter and can make a huge difference. It really is as simple as that. Little things matter and can make a huge, huge difference. And we might say, well, is that it then? Is that the point of that parable? And I'd say, yes, it is. That's entirely the point of that parable. And we may say, yeah, but isn't there something more profound that Jesus can bring about the kingdom of God that we can spend hours talking about? And I'd say, no, there isn't. And we might say, but doesn't this oversimplify Christian living and the Christian faith and the kingdom of God? And I'd say, no, it doesn't. And we may say, yeah, surely if Jesus can introduce some way more complicated teaching so that we can grapple with it, argue about it, discuss it, spend hours and hours and hours burying into books to find out about the kingdom of God, surely that's a better thing for Jesus to teach in terms of the kingdom of God? And the answer to that question is no, there isn't. He's basically saying that the kingdom of God comes into play 
through little things that matter. Little things that matter. We love the world by doing little things that matter. Little things that matter. And then we might say, all right, fair enough, guys. Take your point. You're beginning to convince me. How about a really difficult list of difficult things then that Jesus can bring to the party to make it really hard for us so that it's really awkward and difficult. We need to grapple with it even more in order to bring the kingdom of God in, to bring in this heavenly city. Surely Jesus will do that. And the answer to that question is no. Any little thing, any little thing that brings joy, any little thing that brings justice, any little thing that brings beauty, any little thing that brings comfort, any little thing that shows the love of God to any person, anywhere, anytime, any place, that will do. Little things make a massive difference. That's the message, the message of the mustard seed. And we're going to hear in a few moments, not from me, but from some other people in the church, some little things that have made a difference in their world. So that's the little things. Let's move on to the yeast then. The yeast. What do we know about yeast? Oh, I know we know, don't we? We all know what I'm about to say about yeast. Because it's obvious in life. And Jesus also knew that when he was speaking to the people of his day, that they knew what yeast did as well. kilograms of flour and worked it all through the dough. What happens when you put yeast in a dough? A little yeast goes a long way and here's a demonstration of that that I thought you'd enjoy. Oh, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think it's quite as good as Janie's painting, but hey, you might remember that. Yeast causes things to rise. Yeast causes the dough to expand. A tiny bit of yeast makes a massive difference. Mixing in makes a massive difference. That's the message of this particular illustration. Mixing in makes a massive difference. It's exactly the same as little things make a huge difference. Mixing in makes a massive difference. It's exactly the same message. And we might say, is that it? Is that all you're going to tell us? Mixing in makes a massive difference. And I'd say, unfortunately, yes, it is. And you may say, but surely Jesus has got something more profound to bring us than yeast mixing in, making a massive difference. Surely there's some Christian message by saying that mixing in matters. And I'd say, I don't think I am, because Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and he's like some yeast. And you may say, no, 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 surely Jesus needs to bring something way more complicated to us this morning in order for us to grapple with the simplicity of this message. Something that we can discuss, debate, argue about, spend hours going into books looking at. And I'd say... No, no, no. The kingdom of God is about mixing in, because mixing in makes a massive difference. And we may say, all right then, all right then, tell us some things that are really hard to do then, in our world, where we mixing in make a difference, make it harder for yourself again. I'm sorry, but the answer's no. Any mixing in that brings love, that brings joy, that brings beauty, that brings comfort, that brings peace, that brings justice, any mixing in like that is enough. And that's what Jesus is saying. So it's little things make a huge difference, and mixing in makes a massive difference. Mustard seed and yeast. And that is all I want us to remember in terms of bringing in the kingdom of God, loving the world. It's a very, very simple message. We cannot help but remember it this morning. We're going to remember it through those two illustrations. We're going to remember it through the magnificence of my impartation of this word to you this morning. Yes, we are. Thank you. 
And we're going to remember it through the art, bringing colour to the canvas. We're also going to remember it because some other people are going to tell you some little things that have made a difference in their world. So that we can be encouraged that we can make a difference in our world. Before I introduce to you the three people, or three sets of people that are coming up, because one of them's a couple, I was chatting to someone else earlier on in the week who was telling me about their little thing. I'll give you one for free. And they were telling me that they volunteer, they simply volunteer on a Friday afternoon down at the Royal Orthopaedic Hospital helping to do the gardening in the garden around there. Now that's a really simple thing to do, unless you're not a gardener, but this person is. Going down and helping do some gardening. He loves gardening, he's good at gardening, he really enjoys doing a good garden for the people of the Royal Orthopaedic Hospital. And what happens is he creates a garden of beauty that any Tom, Dick or Harry can see when they're around that environment. The beauty of God brought to the world through giving time and energy to do that. There are some bonuses that come along, which is occasionally some patients come through the garden and start chatting to my friend when he's there doing the gardening, and they occasionally start talking about why he's doing it and what's behind his heart in doing it and all the rest of it. And very, very occasionally there's an opportunity to say an encouraging word to people and possibly even say, I'll pray for you, for you, for you friend, in whatever condition you're in. But first base is a gardener that loves gardening that's making a garden look beautiful. That's a little thing that's making a huge difference. So that's one story. I'm now going to introduce three sets of people, as I say. So Debbie, why don't you come up first, and we're going to hear a little story from Debbie. So let's welcome Debbie as she comes. Have we got the, uh, have we got the lollipop anywhere? Where's it gone? Don't know where it's gone. We're going to get the lollipop mic for, for Debbie. Oh, obviously, I've caught them out because they're putting batteries in it. Little things make a huge difference. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Is that on? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I, it was, so last weekend, Adrian and Anne went talked about it being, you know, simple and easy, bringing God's colours and love to people. And I also, uh, so and last week, um, one of my neighbours lives across the road. I knew she was off work and she's having a difficult pregnancy. And every day is a bonus for her sort of keeping this baby. So I said to Vince, I'm just going to pop over and take her some flowers. So I went to the shop quick, got off a bunch of roses and went and knocked on her door. And she opened the door and just saw me standing there with a the bunch of roses and burst out crying. And then she just gave me a massive hug and she said, will you come in? So I, I said, I want to come to the station. I want you to come in. So I popped in. And she just told me what's going on for her. And all the time I kept thinking, tell her, Debbie, you're going to pray for her. Tell her, you're going to pray for her. But I was thinking, so I said, me and Vince are thinking about you. <laughs> and it was, you know, saying, no, tell her, you're going to pray for her. <laughs> so I thought, right, I'm just going to have to tell her. <laughs> so I just looked at her and said, Vince and I are going to pray for you and this baby. And she just looked at me and she closed her eyes and started to cry. And she just held my hand and she said, thank you so much. And... Um, and then I also said, and if you are doing really well at Christmas, I want you to come to the carol service. And uh, she said, I'd really, really love to do it. So I just went home, just feeling really great. Actually, it wasn't that difficult. It was great. I just, you know. Brilliant. So, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Brilliant. What, what I love about that story is the, the simplicity of crossing the road in your street to go and give the neighbour a bunch of flowers. That in and of itself, on its own, with none of the other encouraging bit, I like. It's like crossing a divide, keeping an eye out for our fellow man or woman to show a blessing to them. And, and Debbie, bringing those flowers, bring life and colour 
beauty again to that person's world. It, it turned into a magnificent story of that person's been really touched by the love of God. And it was a simple thing. Little things make a huge difference. So that's the first one. Let's go and welcome Dave. Dave, do you want to come up? So uh, Dave's just going to tell us a little bit about what he does in life, and then he's going to share a couple of things as well. Okay, in life. <laughs> um, so I, I am David, I'm married to Neris, who's here at the front, and uh, have three wonderful children who were making some of the noise that you heard a little minute ago <laughs> in OKC, uh, and um, have uh, been part of Oasis for about 12 years now, and uh, hugely privileged um, to be part of you all and to live in this wonderful city of Birmingham, which is yeah. something probably 13 years ago we never thought we would say. Um, but we love Birmingham. We love being in Birmingham. God's really rooted us here. Um, a little bit about me. I um, work for a company called Biffa that all of you will have uh, seen and experienced as you walk through the car park because um, our big red bins... I was a bit concerned about the lack of red on this picture, actually, Jane. Um, although there's some coming in. Um, so you may or may not know, but we're the largest waste company in the UK. Um, we're sort of very visible red brand on streets and large trucks. Uh, and I have the privilege of being part of the leadership team of that business. We, we employ 6,000 people. Uh, we work nationally. Uh, we turn over about 900 million, and um, I'm part of a, a group of 10 people who lead that business uh, on the executive team. And I am uh, a geek. I look after IT, <laughs> essentially, uh, and business transformation. Um, other things I do, I help to lead in OKC, like uh, Colin said uh, a little bit earlier on. If you, if you want an opportunity to experience God breaking into people's lives, um, and you like young people, uh, you should come and join us in OKC. Uh, we just, last week, I was there last week. We just had an amazing time of worship. God is doing something incredible in our, in our young people. It's a real privilege to be there, to hear God speak to them, break into their lives, and uh, absolutely changing their lives. Uh, so if that excites you, come and see myself or Colin afterwards, because we'd love for you to be part of that. Um, I'm also a trustee for the church, have been now for about eight or nine years. And, um, and that means, you know, I mean, fundamentally, that sounds pretty boring, doesn't it? Um, but you know what? It's not boring. Uh, being a trustee uh, has been an incredible journey. Um, one, because uh, our fellow trustees are such a wonderful bunch to hang out with. Um, and we actually have a lot of fun, um, even looking at spreadsheets and stuff. <laughs> Um, but do you know what? It's, it, the, the best bit is, having done like eight years, we have just been through such occasions where either we've run out of money or we've, uh, I guess, come across difficulties. And uh, not through any sense of our own brilliance or expertise or knowledge, we've just seen God provide and break in in incredible ways, like literally, absolutely miraculous ways. Uh, and having that visibility of what God's doing is an, a tremendous privilege. I love doing that. Uh, so that's a little bit, uh, I guess, about me. Uh, just three, three things I was going to draw upon. Uh, one is that just, I guess, from my experience over the last uh, 12 years, God just loves us being connected. Um, and what that's looked like for, for Neris and I, and, um, and really sort of has accelerated, I guess, through having children. It's an amazing time and opportunity uh, to become connected has just been that God has given us the most incredible influence and friendships uh, with people outside of Oasis to the point where actually uh, the vast bulk of our social time and life is really shaped by people who aren't in Oasis, um, which 
uh, brings its challenges because it's important, obviously, that we are connected and that we have fellowship. And we have some amazing and wonderful friendships in Oasis as well. Um, but literally, through having children and getting to know people, um, there are a huge number of couples that we're connected with. Uh, and what that looks like, I mean, for myself, uh, it's a hardship. But once a month, um, we have what we call in our school payday drinks, where um, a group of dads and reprobates all go out um, uh, for a night out. And, um, and that's one way I've just had an amazing opportunity to be known uh, in my community and get known um, and, and develop genuine friendships, um, which means then your life is on show and they know who I am. They know uh, that I'm a Christian, that I come to, to Oasis. And there's lots of crossover. So Adrian, who leads the churches in the school as well, lots of crossover with other individuals in the school. And um, we're absolutely part of that community. It's meant that uh, we, a number of times we've gone on weekends away um, with a whole group of families. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just part of that community. Uh, and frankly, we're, we, we absolutely love that. Um, and what that means is that, you know, I guess we're in there, that we're, we're, we're that yeast, that light. Um, as part of as life kind of goes on and unfolds, lots of different things happen, um, that we can be Jesus to those people, which I'll say a bit more about at the end. Second thing is I would say that God loves to give us influence. Um, and I'd say over the, that, that sort of 12-year span, really since I joined, I, I joined uh, Oasis and started a job with Seven Trent. Uh, and then really my career has sort of taken off from there, where to the point where now um, I do have, uh, or God, God's really sort of blessed me with incredible influence. I mean, I have 80 people in my team um, and, you know, ultimately part of a team responsible for 6,000 people and then uh, 70,000 people that we work for in the form of our customers. Um, and, and I guess what I'd say about that is, you know, that first song that we sang, that Christ is our cornerstone, um, what I think is so incredibly exciting is when God gives us influence and our primary motive, more than, I guess, all the other things that we see uh, that motivate people. And that's not to say I'm perfect at all in terms of my own motivations and ambition uh, in work, but it absolutely changes things. Um, firstly, I guess it changes things because I, I totally believe that um, when we build godly, um, in that God essentially told us to steward the earth and to do things that would cause communities and people to flourish. Uh, and, you know, the bulk of what that means for us is doing the jobs that we do and being in the place that we are uh, and God giving us that influence. Um, so that's hugely exciting. Um, but then in terms of, I guess, me uh, and my motivations being wanting to please Jesus uh, in work, that, that happens, I guess, at two levels. One um, that that means I have a voice to influence some really big decisions. Um, and, you know, we make some really big decisions that, that ultimately impact uh, those 6,000 people who work for us, the quality of their lives. Um, uh, and ultimately, you know, I, I can be God's flavor in that situation. I can uh, really consider what it means to honor him and to build a godly organization in that sense. And then the second thing is just, and this is true for all of us, I guess, in the communities that we're in, it just brings a different influence in the way that we treat people as, dif as different things happen in work, as some people do well, as others don't do so well, as some projects go really well, as some things uh, don't go so well, that actually you can, I guess, have that certainty of who God's made you to be uh, and that actually we can do the best both for the, the organization um, and for those individuals as well, and actually to be uh, God's plumb line. Um, in those situations and to butt up against him as the cornerstone and then allow him to 
help judge your decisions and your motivations and uh, and the things that you help to to determine. So uh, God loves for us to be connected. It's taking too long, isn't it? Uh, and um, secondly, he loves to give us influence. Uh, and thirdly, I'd say that he loves for us to be on show. Um, and I guess all that connectedness, what that means is when uh, life inevitably happens and we walk... Uh, through situations either ourselves or we at times draw along others who are going through difficulties that our whole outlook is different um, our whole outlook uh, I guess around what where we're heading um, is completely different you know when we look at, or people look at us and we might go through something difficult the fact that our perspective is an eternal one rather than a temporary one it just speaks volumes. We just are, you know, by the nature of who we are, if we love Jesus, if we are focused on building his kingdom, we are that salt and, and, and light in, in so many different situations. And, uh, and that was the last thing. Thanks. Brilliant. Thank you. I think uh, Dave, Dave carries a huge amount of responsibility and some of us might think, man, I couldn't do any of that. But there are some little things in there that he mentioned. And the mixing in one is massive. Mixing in with payday drinks, mixing in terms of journeying with people, mixing in terms of bringing a different culture and presence to all the different things that he's in. We, we can all do that. We can all do that. So we, we love Dave and Harris and the family. They do a wonderful job. And, uh, but he's a man with a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure, but aware... <laughs> that he's making a difference in the world that he's in. Let's uh, finally welcome Gareth and Beth. So Gareth and Beth, do you want to come forward? I, um, as they come forward, uh, we've been meaning to try and get um, Gareth and Beth to share for a while, to be honest, because um, some of us will know that they were spent six months in Africa uh, earlier on in the year. We kind of sent them earlier on in the year to go over and have that journey over there. And we're keen to know actually a little bit more than time will allow today about that trip. But uh, at the prayer meeting on uh, Wednesday, as a little taster for you, they don't know this yet, I don't know if you can come even, but I, we'd love to hear more. So if you can come, we'd love to hear more. <laughs> can you come? <laughs> but if you can't, don't worry. And um, we'll just make it up when we're there. But anyway, just tell us a little bit about what you do uh, and little things. Um, I uh, work for Sandwell Women's Aid. Um, and I work as a trafficking support worker for people who've been trafficked in the UK, from abroad into the UK. But I'm just about to start a new job, which is exciting. It's actually my job that I had before we went to Kenya, which is working with young people involved in sexual exploitation. So I'm sort of in a transition period at the moment. Uh, I'm Gareth. Um, I, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I work for a studio in Birmingham in the Jewelry Quarter. Uh, I've been uh, I've been in the Oasis about as long as Dave has then for about 12 years, which seems quite a long time. It's a third of my life. Um, you know, a very happy third, I might add, but, it's, but you know, a, a third nonetheless. Um, uh, yeah, and so I, I was a graphic designer before I went away, but I was working for a different company. They made me redundant whilst they were away, even though they promised to keep my job open for me. Uh, it was panic stations whilst we were in the middle of the East African countryside, living in a mud hut and not knowing what we would come back to. But I've come back to a much better job and uh, uh, it's been quality. So God's like, um, yeah, it's a massive answer to the prayers, that's good. 
Um, so, yeah, I've made some notes on the back of um, our budget for last month. <laughs> I realised, what have I brought that for? I know, yeah, there's not much on there, is there? Um, yeah, so in terms of work, <laughs> in terms of workplace, um, I've just written down how do I... How do I try and mix in my workplace? I've written down encouragement, apologies, and cups of tea. Um, I really try and encourage my work colleagues um, because I think in the current environment, there's just so many cuts, there's so much pressure. It's like people get laid off, but we get more work to do. And when you're working with vulnerable people, obviously you really care about them. So it's not just targets, it's actually people's lives. And it can be really exhausting. And I work with such amazing people, but they are just exhausted, like all the time so I try really hard to encourage them and I'm in a team at the moment it's such a lovely culture to have come into where when we do each other favors we buy each other cakes and chocolate it is brilliant <laughs> it's the best so I'm going to try and take that into um, my next role as well um yeah apologies like the other day I had a massive rant with my uh, with my colleague I was so frustrated we had too much work to do I was just like I had a massive rant, and then in the evening, I just sent her a big text apology about it, and she was very, very cool about it, but I just tried to just be like, sorry, I was an idiot having a big moan. You don't need to hear me moaning. Um, and then cups of tea. I think cups of tea just go really, really, really long way, don't they? <laughs> Making each other cups of tea makes everything better. So in the workplace, that's what I try and do. Um, yeah, in terms of workplace stuff with me, it's funny because... Um, I'm a, you, well, you get this in any work, I guess, but with graphic designers, there's a lot of competition, and they, even though you, you might be like a team at work and um, everyone putting their ideas forward, there's still a lot of competition. And so um, you, people can be quite sneaky, and when you show them their, your work, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's great, yeah, 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 oh, best logo I've ever seen, yeah, nice one. And then you show it in front of everybody else, and you're like, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. And you're like, oh, well, cheers, mate. But, um, and so it's trying to be the opposite of that and just think, all right, well, be straightforward and be honest with people. But then, um, and you know, this is for everything anyway, but be honest and straightforward with people. Um, and be the same in front of them when they're on their own as they are when you're in front. That's fantastic. Oh, isn't everything wonderful? But to be like, well, you could do this or you could do this or I like what you've done there or... Um, you know, why don't you try doing this, or why don't you have a look at this, and like put people onto stuff. So, like less competition and more, like better saying, with encouragement, um, just strengthening each other as a team and trying to think like, well, why don't we all make the best thing that we can do, um, rather than everyone out for themselves. Yeah, do you want to yeah. Guys, that was great. Let's just... Just uh, conscious of time. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling hugely encouraged by hearing these things. That are little things and about mixing in. The apology one, I think that's so true in life. So few people apologise when we get... And we're, we're normal, aren't we? We get into arguments with people, I do, and apologising stands out as something different. I'd encourage you to say sorry within any context that you're in. And uh, the encouragement one as well that Gareth just brought there at the end, that's so true as well. We can just encourage people. We were at a magic show last night. I won't give you the detail. I know you're interested, but... <laughs> Pick a card, any card. <laughs> but we were chat chatting actually to one of the magicians at the end of the show, and Janie and I found ourselves being told a whole load of encouragement onto him. That's, that's the same kind of thing. So that's the end, that is the end of the message. I did have a little bit more, but I think what we need to do is now let this sink in. 
It's little things that make a huge difference. It's mixing in. It's payday drinks. It's going uh, with families out camping on weekends away. That kind of thing. It's mixing in and it's little things. That's all I'm saying. Little things and mixing in. To love the world in order to bring in the kingdom of God, in order to show people that God really does love them. When Dave Dennis was here, this is the final thing I say. Dave Dennis is the guy who oversees Catalyst, is a group of churches that we're part of. He shared a few things with, with us, one of which was we live in a culture today, post-Christian if you like, where everybody is more against a Christian than for them. More against than for. And he encouraged us wholeheartedly to say, look, keep on doing. And he actually didn't use the words little things, he just said good deeds. But he just said, keep on doing, and I'll use it, little things. Keep on mixing in, because what you'll find, the more and more we do that, the more and more that people that are against us will actually be drawn to us, and not just to us. To keep going in this, we want to hear more and more stories of this kind of thing. Um, so I'm going to pray and then we'll close. Father, thank you that you give us simple messages in order to work out our lives of following you. Thank you that that mustard seed illustration, Jesus, and the yeast is just so simple. I thank you for the simplicity of it. I thank you that you simply love us and know us and have the best for us. And we love being known and loved by you. And I ask that you would help us as your children, living with that mirror and with that blank canvas, Lord God, to go and paint colour in whatever way we want to in order to bring glory to your name and life to the world. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.